Ja, Pasta Scrawny, the yes. little one in the cheese. He's <laughs> nothing like us. We are built up. We are built up, so we are here to build. You are. I am Fitz and he is Bits. No, no, I am Fitz and you are Bits. I'm sorry. Okay, so we get this right now. We are here to build you up spiritually. Spiritually? No, we are here to talk about my bulging muscles. Behold the majesty. No, no, you've got it all wrong, Bits. That is not what we are here for. We are here to build you up spiritually and through Christ to get you built up through God's word and to stretch you in God's word. That's what we have to do. We are here to build you up. I asked our faculty and staff this week to keep me in their prayers for my self-esteem. As I now am known as Pastor Scrawny. I hope to change that. We're going to open God's Word together, and I want you to turn with me to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and uh, really, truly, get, get out the Bibles, the worship Bibles, and turn to the book of Ephesians. Um, because context is important if we're going to become built up as God's people, truly pumped up, built up, encouraged, and strengthened in what it means to be His people, His body, the church. Now, the book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in, in Paul's life as God had ambushed him by His Spirit, converted him as one who was against those who had preached Jesus as Lord and Savior, and one who was converted to become the greatest missionary of all time. Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, stops in the city of Ephesus. And it's there he preaches the gospel. In fact, in one incident, there is a riot that is caused because Ephesus was quite an epicenter of culture. It was known for being a trade city, so it was a very wealthy city, a lot of trade and, 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 and cosmopolitan, as it were, and, and, and people coming and going, and, and a lot of activity. It was a religious center. It had what was known as one of the, the, the wonders of the world at its time, of this temple in, in the worship of Artemis, and and, and it was based in a lot of immorality, and it was an epicenter for that. It was an epicenter of thinking, an epicenter of, of culture, just being known as a place where people would go. Uh, Ephesus was a place people wanted to be. And yet when Paul comes to this city, what he also notices is it is an epicenter of, of godlessness and an opportunity for the gospel to have its way among a church that was formed early on. Now later, interestingly, uh, Timothy, who Paul writes to as well, would later go back to Ephesus to encourage the believers there and actually work through what had become heresy, uh, just a, a teaching within the church that was causing a lot of struggle, a lot of division. Uh, Paul writes to this church to encourage it. Because a lot was on the line. The message of the gospel, the, the eternal salvation of God's people, but also the mission of the church to make a difference, an inroad to preach that message that would change lives in a very important place. Not unlike our own. These are important days. And we have a lot in common with the, the people of Ephesus and the times and the place where we live socially, economically, and in terms of our faith. 
Now, if you look at the book of Ephesians, before we even get to chapter 4, context is always important, isn't it? And, you know, Ephesians is one of those great books of the Bible as an epistle, a letter written to the church there. A lot has happened in these first few chapters. You know, just to page through it, you maybe just glance your eyes. You, you see what, what Paul is making clear in their lives. You know, verse 7 of chapter 1, in him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure and which he purposed in Christ. And goes on from there. It's like, you have received this calling as God's people. I mean, this is a really big deal. This is truly life-changing. There's a, a before and after. This is who you once were, but in Jesus and the power of, of his love for you, there's a new reality. He, he goes on. And, you know, this, think about verse 18. I pray that also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, that power is like the working of his mighty, you hear it there, strength, the power of God. Elsewhere, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, for we did not receive a spirit of timidity or a wimpy spirit, but a spirit of power and love. You know, this... This is not just some kind of couch potato kind of stuff. God has called his people to realize the impact of what the power of God working in their life would accomplish among them. It goes on. You get to the great chapter 2. You know, the, as Lutherans, we love this. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and, nine, and 8 and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, Right? It's all these reminders. It's not about our strength. It's not about white-knuckling our way through life. It's rather about leaning into this grace, this power source of strength in the grace and the love of Jesus. Let me get to chapter 3. Oh, I love this one. And this, this great, great plan that he says here, he says in verse 10 of chapter 3, his intent, it's God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, and then he goes on, he says this prayer in chapter 14, or verses 14 and onward, and, and he says in, in verse, uh, what is it, 17, as he's praying that, that prayer that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, there it is again, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that goes beyond head knowledge. It's not just having the right answers on the confirmation test. But that it would impact our lives. Now to him, he says, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now he's established this. We as the church have been given this incredible gift 
of power and strength and ability. And with that all being said, we get to chapter 4. And that's why Paul writes this. As a prisoner for the Lord, which seems like a negative thing, except when you realize that our calling and our bondage is one of love and grace. It's freedom that God gives us as people who bear that, that incredible gift. And, and Paul writing from prison. Bondage because of his faith in Jesus and his willingness to proclaim it in the face of persecution. He says, I urge you to live a life, read it with me, worthy of the calling you have received. Now that, that, that strikes me. To live life worthy of the calling we've received. Some years ago, when I first got into ministry, I realized I was very unprepared in one specific area in particular. They never talked to us about the incredible influx of baked goods that would come into any church office I've ever served in. I'm serious. It happens all the time. It can be people who drop in and say, hey, I just baked a pie. would love to bless you. Like, all right, bring it on. In fact, the first church I served in, um, the senior pastor would preach about this regularly that his number one favorite food group was German chocolate cake. And, and so these things would arrive by the truckloads. And I love that stuff. And I'd just be filling my mouth with it and cookies and, and, and donuts. And it, it would just be nonstop and, and no self-control. And, I, and I, I'm walking into ministry. I was in great shape and, and had been working out up until then. And then I got busy and just ate and ate and ate, and, and then I realized, hey, I'm, I'm too busy to be worried about physically staying in shape. I mean, I got to be a pastor. I got to go visit people. I got to prepare for sermons. I got to teach. I mean, all these things. I, way more important that I do that stuff than take care of my body. And, and then it happened. I, I got in this uh, 5K race uh, just for fun. I thought, hey, I'm still in great shape. I've been a long distance runner. And, and I ran this race, and, and one of the neighbor kids, she was like eight years old, ended up running right past me on the finish line as I'm dogging my way, out of breath, realizing I'm totally out of shape, and I just got beat by an eight-year-old. Wake-up call, right? Um, it was sometime later that fall, I still kept, you know, just, and, and, and my wife says, you know what, honey, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but you're kind of developing a spare tire. I, come on, there's still a, that, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the six-pack. And she's like, no, it's, it's kind of looking more like a, maybe a keg, not so much a six-pack anymore. And I, really? She's like, yeah. And, and she signed us up to go to a, a personal trainer. And I'd never done that. I, I lifted weights, done a lot, but I'd never done a personal trainer. And I, I got really nervous about it. The week of, I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh, is this gonna, how hard is this going to be? And, and I'm thinking just this, this horror of walking in and this big, large guy saying, my name is Vern, you are going to suffer pain, you know, and, and, and just this fear. And, and then I got to thinking about it, like, hey, my last name, Schwichtenberg, that's kind of like Schwarzenegger. I, maybe I can get built up like Arnold. And... And I, I walked into the gym that day to meet Shane and the trainer with really a newfound excitement. And, and I got there, and, and the trainer's name was not Vern or, or Olga or anything like that. The, the trainer's name was Holly. 
And she was actually very nice, but brutal. And, and, and so for 60 minutes that seemed like 60 years, we pumped, we pushed, and we perspired until finally I just kind of crawled home and went right to bed. I was exhausted, but it felt really awesome until the next day. <laughs> and then every single muscle, even my thumb, hurt from just this incredible workout. But again, while my body hurt and the muscle fibers had broken down, what I realized was how out of shape I had been, but also what a huge step it was to get off the couch and take that step of faith to say, I'm going to take care of myself. And, and, and you know what? Several weeks in, several months in, it was one of those things that more and more became something I couldn't wait to do. Couldn't wait to get to the gym. Couldn't wait to work out. And, you know, in, in the years since, there's that ebb and flow of life. And, and maybe, you, how many of you work out regularly? Just curious. A few of you do. I was hoping a few more hands would go up today, you know. But really, I bring this up, not so much about the fact of taking care of our bodies, which is really important. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But also, as, as Paul mentions this when he writes to Timothy, who would later be sent and put in charge of that church in Ephesus, he says this, you know, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, where's our godly training at these days? When Paul says that and, and begins this chapter and he says, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Have you become a couch potato in your life with Jesus? Are you one that says, well, yeah, I go to church once in a while. Isn't that what it's all about? Was once a while really living out our faith? Does it impact us, or is it something we just talk about as, yeah, in the past, yeah, I used to serve God, or in the past, yeah, I used to be in a Bible study, I was once in confirmation, or I went to a Christian school, or, or maybe you're just saying, I've never, ever done this before. I have no idea where to even begin. What does it mean to be built up in my faith? You know, I, I really want to encourage you in view of God's word here, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received is to get off the couch in the coming weeks. We're going to study his word. We're going to grow in what it means to be his people. Because here's the thing. There's really a twofold message in this. One message is this is about the church and what the church is all about. A church that's called to be about being focused on one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that calling over our life. As the church of God and, and his calling to be in the word of God regularly, to be in worship regularly, to be a church that's active in service and outreach and, and compassion and care. That, that's the, the corporate calling as the church. But also knowing that the church, which by the way, you've not heard me say this for a while, is you know, we, we teach kids, here's the church and the steeple, and you open the door and you see all the people, which is theologically absolutely opposite of what God teaches us. This is the church. It's made of people. And knowing that the strength of the church is made up of individuals who are part of that church, part of the body, that the body is only as strong as its people that make up that body. 
I've been learning that this summer as I've gotten back into cycling and I'm finding out that while a lot of my body is in pretty good shape, my knee is just, my left knee needs to be strengthened and it, it continues. Every time I go out ride, it, it holds me back. And I realize this winter, I'm going to have to do some strength training there. Maybe you are that part of the body and you're like, man, I've never thought of that, what, that before. You know, when, when we struggle as a body or if there's pockets of, or, or people who or maybe are, are saying, I, I, I don't know where I'm at, that you matter to, to the church. That together as the body of Christ, we have an opportunity to grow together, to, to step out, to, to get into God's word, to, to realize there's, there's no compromising. Simple disciplines like saying worship matters. Because God meets us there with his word and his sacrament. We're gathered there. When we're not there, guess what? It affects other people. We are missed. Because that encouragement of gathering as God's people is so critical. Spending time in his word. You know, there's so many tools and ways to do this. In Bible studies, small groups, large groups. But also just studying the word as individuals, as people. We're in our families and growing in that. Not to mention, when God has his way in us, what it looks like to step out and serve and use our talents and our abilities to lift up the body of Christ. Where are you at on that? Maybe you've been one who's just sort of been kind of sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the couch, watching from a distance, saying, oh, I'm part of St. John. But maybe the time has come where God is calling us to step out together and encourage one another. I shared this some months ago, back in January, February, into March. We did a Biggest Loser Challenge on our staff. And, and I have to say, it was a lot of fun. It, but at the same time, I'd gotten in that place, I'd gained all this weight, and I, I realized I could lose 20 pounds. It, but there's like, there's no way. And I kind of started thinking, hey, this is just who I am. This is where I'm going to be. It's going to be harder to put my shoes on in the morning because I could hardly reach my toes. And... And, and then somebody on our staff said, hey, what if we did a, a Biggest Loser Challenge, you know, to, to work toward weight loss together as a staff. We had over 30 of our staff members step out on this. And, and over the course of those couple months, lost over 267 pounds, which was phenomenal. But one of the things that made it so powerful was the fact we were doing it together. It wasn't just being alone. It wasn't being isolated. And that still affects us today that encouragement. We're going to read a lot about that through this chapter, that when Paul talks about being built up, which he uses that expression again and again and again, it is often spoken in the context of together being built up as his church, his people, in the power and the love of Jesus. You know, as we think about that and as we begin this series, I'm always reminded too of a story I once heard of a guy, a pastor down in, in Oklahoma, his name is Craig, and and Craig liked to work out, but one day as he was working out in the gym with his best friend, and, and he was starting to get tired and overwhelmed, and, and as he was trying to lift a, a barbell, he was on a bench doing a bench press, and he got more and more tired, and his friend was there spotting him, as often they'll do when you're doing free weights, and, and a spotter's job is to just make sure that barbell doesn't fall uh, on, the, on the person who's lifting. And, and so he's spotting his friend, but as... Craig is lifting, he's getting more and more tired and his muscles are shaking and he's overwhelmed. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And, 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 and then he realized that the less he would do, the barbell just kept moving because his friend was kind of looking across the gym and was just lifting it for him. 
And, and pretty soon, Craig just kind of took his arms down and just watched the barbell go up and down. <laughs> and, it, and, and finally, his friend said, all right, 10, that's enough. And he puts it down. He's like, you know, I didn't lift those last five. And, and they had a good laugh about it. But what I've realized is, it's a great illustration for where we're at. We aren't strong enough individually. We aren't strong enough as a community. This really is about us becoming less and God becoming more. It's just what Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that the more we spend time together, more time in his word, more time in worship, God continues to teach us that if we've been trying to white knuckle and strengthen our way and try to focus on ourselves and say how strong we are, we're gonna realize more and more how empty and weak we are. But the more we look to him, and the more we spend time with him, and the more that we realize that he is what defines who we are, how exciting life becomes. We're gonna get built up in the coming days. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your calling over us, that your strength, your power, your incredible love as a savior who goes the way of the cross, who dies in our place, who conquers death, Lord, that's a really big deal. It's, it's life-changing, it's transformational, it is something that changes the trajectory of people's lives, and yet, Lord, so often it can be neglected. We can become indifferent, we can become passive in our walk with you. Lord, we pray that you would awaken us as your church more and more as the people of God, inspired through your word and encouraged, Lord, to, to spend time in and spiritual disciplines to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. But Lord, to realize in it is the joy of becoming more and more healthy as the body of Christ. That your mission may be accomplished among us in our community and our world. That Lord, you would have your way in our lives, in our families, and in the body of Christ built up through your name. We pray this as Jesus, you live, the Father and the Spirit is one God, now and forever. Amen.